Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Warnagle, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. In just a moment, you'll also hear from my co-hosts, friends, colleagues, BJ Cunningham, coming to you from Des Moines, Iowa. Anthony DeBundo coming to you from East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. But before I bring them in, just a reminder, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get 200 free. Gentlemen, only a couple more weeks to go to the World Cup. We'll have... Um, we're working on our plans, our content plans for the World Cup on Wonder Goal, some live shows, all that jazz. Uh, we will update you very soon on what to expect. But before that, let's talk about this weekend's Premier League action. We'll start with a Graham Potter derby. Brighton, they're home, hosting Chelsea. The Seagulls, plus 187. Home underdogs, Chelsea, plus 150. The draw, plus 230. These odds and all the odds we will be referencing coming to you from our friends at Bet365. This is an interesting one for a lot of different reasons. I think Chelsea's been overperforming. We got the Potter situation and also some fatigue and injury issues for the Blues. They were just in Salzburg on Tuesday. They got the win. They've played eight games since October 1. They've played nine games under Graham Potter. They've lost zero games, six wins, three draws, a plus 2.2 expected goal differential in those games, but they've allowed 5.2 expected goals in their last four matches. So they've been a little bit leakier. They just haven't been as impressive over the past few weeks, I think, as as they're kind of adjusting to the Potter system. Now they walk into the Amex. You know, the it's going to be a great atmosphere, I think. This, this probably is the game of the weekend. Uh, and I like Brighton here uh, as a home dog, plus 187. It's good enough for me. So give me the Zarbies. Man, Alexis McAllister just signed a new contract. We love him. Good vibes at the Amex. BJ, Brighton? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on Brighton as well. So there's a trend that I've kind of been noticing with Chelsea over the last few matches that is really alarming when you're going to go play Brighton and it's how easily teams have been able to move the ball and build up play. So against Manchester United, United has 78%, 78% build up pass percentage and their and Chelsea's pass per defensive action was was 15. Then against Brentford, who is a way more direct team, they had a 73.1% build up rate. And Chelsea only had a pass per defensive action of 11. Same thing with Aston Villa. They had over 82% buildup percentage. Chelsea only had a pass per defensive action of, of 10. Deserby is very adamant that he wants to play out of the back. Like he is, is going to play out of the back here, which it, it's interesting because against Manchester City, Brighton held 53% possession and the field tilt was 50-50. I can't really remember a time that a team was able to do that to Manchester city. That's incredibly impressive. So I think Brighton actually should be able to control possession here. They should be able to play through Chelsea's pressure. 
They'll do it by, you know, creating overloads in between the lines, these complex passing structures that Zerby has been very famous for. And it's honestly working here with Brighton because he's played, you know, three big six sides already. And they have about, you know, an even expected goal differential under him. So they've been incredibly impressive and Chelsea. I mean, you mentioned it, Michael defensively, they haven't been that good. They've allowed 5.2 expected goals in their last four matches. They've been outshot in the penalty area, 33 to 25 in those matches. And the thing about it is Graham Potter obviously knows his old side very, very well. But then the flip side of that is his players know exactly what Graham Potter wants to do from a tactical perspective. Plus, I mean, if you look at Chelsea's offense, they haven't really been that good this season. Like they're only averaging 1.1 non-penalty expected goals per match. That's 11th in the premier league. They've only created three big scoring chances since Potter's been in charge. So, and then you mentioned the rest, Michael, that Chelsea, this is their fifth road match in 14 days. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, so this is a great spot for Brighton who played, honestly outplayed Chelsea in both meetings last season. Obviously Potter was in charge of Brighton at that point, but yeah, I have actually been Brighton projected as a slight favorite here. So I'm with you. I like the Seagulls draw no bet at plus one Oh five. Yeah. The Seagulls on the South coast. I, I'm, I'm excited. For this i really can't wait for the reception for potter you know the brighton fans are great like they don't take it for granted and we don't take brighton for ball. granted yeah they know ball they know and ball we, and we we don't take brain for granted on this podcast anthony we do not yeah i think there was a fear right when potter left we were like oh no brighton's ruined but it turns out they're still pretty good and you know a few weeks ago i bet brighton at home as a pick em against tottenham and, and i recall being criticized for that position and um, it was now, fair I stand fair, by that. Yeah, that was, I stand that by was that. fair criticism. I don't agree. I thought that match was uh, was well dominated by Brighton in terms of possession and, and controlling chances, but they did lose. So I guess you're right. But I think this is a great spot for Brighton as well. You guys talked about the rest advantage. Chelsea played Salzburg. They weren't particularly good. I mean, they scored two great finishes into the top corner by Havertz and Kovacic. But on the balance of the chances, that game was very even. Uh, they, they were not the better side against Man United at home last weekend. They were not better than Brentford at Brentford. They were not better than Villa at Villa. So that's four straight matches where you cannot confidently say that Chelsea was the best opponent on the pitch. And you could make the case that Brighton is the toughest spot of those, of those five games now that they're on the road against a team, which, you know, we, we talked about it. You mentioned the field tilt, been impressive. But what's been most impressive to me is that Brighton doesn't look like they've missed a beat whatsoever. Their results were always going to be tough to get because of their schedule, right? They've played Liverpool and they've played Manchester city. They played Tottenham. Like that's a really tough schedule for, for a manager. And they go to bright, they go to Brentford. That's a really tough fixture. Like we've talked about that. Uh, the forest one was super unlucky. So they're, they're due for a good result here and, and they've played well enough to deserve that. And I think that they are wrongly underdogs. I agree with both of you. I make them a favorite in this match and I'll be betting them at any dog price. Uh, so give me Brighton on the draw no bet line. Let's make it three for three. The Deserby boys in the grand part are Derby. 7.30 a.m. kickoff Leicester plus 900 at home to lose to Manchester City, who are minus 400 on the road. The draw here is plus 550. Anthony, here's a quick question for you. What do you think Erling Holland anytime goal scorer is lined at right now? Minus 275. It's minus 250. It's just absurd. He's plus 185 to be the first one to score. Bananas. He's questionable too. Yeah, he came off at half and he did not look great in the first half against Dortmund. I thought it was the worst. Uh, I'm pretty sure Pep said that he had influenza. So uh, it was the worst 45 minutes I've seen him play in a while. Yeah. Time. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe yeah, we'll maybe monitor that. Um, we'll monitor that because he's going I mean, to be That would get me to the under, I think, in a, at the current number. 
city unders, man. Uh, that's that's what you come to the well, show Lester, for. Lester's now the best finishing team on planet Earth, Anthony. And, and oh, the best that, goalkeeper, that and the, and that the best goalkeeper on planet Earth too. Uh, Danny Ward, three three straight uh, three straight clean sheets clean for Danny sheets. Ward. Three that that shot map is an all timer. They were outshot twenty. What was it? Twenty two to four. Yep, or twenty two to five. They they missed they missed uh, they missed the goal once. So yeah, they <laughs> they they took five <laughs> shots and their first four shots all went in. Yep. Pretty much. Maybe yeah, Danny so Ward and, and Jose saw switched bodies for a little bit. And we're not talking tap-ins either. These were, there were a couple bangers in there. Yeah, t- not t- easy t- finishes less than just over one expected goal after it was all said and done. But uh, yeah, th- this is under nothing. Uh, Lester's tack is not even going to get shots off. I don't think like they're going to really struggle here. It is a flat spot for city. Uh, they're kind of just in the doldrums right now. I think they're kind of waiting around for the world cup to happen. They are, they slept walk through the entire match against Dortmund in the midweek. Uh, they like, they should win this match comfortably, but what's the desire to go run it up, run up the score on the road. I don't really see it here. They haven't been putting up like, you know, gaudy, gaudy numbers in the last few matches. I, I think, you know, we're seeing that, you know, finally, they're regressing a little bit in attack. Like they were never going to score three, three and a half goals a game. Like they were early in the season. They've actually been held scoreless three of their last four matches, which is interesting, but yeah, I have no interest in betting Lester at any, uh, anywhere near the current price because they still stink, even though their defense has positively regressed to the point where yes, Danny Ward is really bad, but he, nobody's as bad as he was the first month of the season. Like nobody can really be that bad. He's on fire. He's getting into form for Wales at the World Cup. I think the <laughs> point about the World Cup is interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot of high-profile injuries, and I just wonder how many players are just pacing themselves right now, too. Yeah, City like- has Leicester. They obviously have Leicester this weekend, and Sevilla in a match that means absolutely nothing in the Champions League. Fulham and Brentford at home, and then the World Cup. So Chelsea and the EFL Cup. They're on the beach. The Pep Cup. Yeah, Chelsea and the EFL Cup. But it, 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 yeah. it's probably going to be Sleepwalk City for City until – that's so funny. Sleepwalk City for City – until the world cup. I'll yeah, tell you so, what, that is an all time Brentford spot. Oh my gosh. If it, only the, if it was at Brentford, I would be oh. still, they're going to get yeah. two and a half and that's an all time Brentford spot. Yep. Uh, so city city are on the beach. Let's talk about Anthony Spurs. They're odds on favorites on the road. Minus minus one forty three. Bournemouth hosting them. They're plus 400. Uh, the draw here is plus two eighty. Hey, hey, got to tip your cap to Bournemouth. They've created one, expected goal or more in two of their last three matches after starting the season with nine straight matches where they created under one. So this offense is prolific all of a sudden, Anthony, they are prolific. This is uh, cheap, and, Anthony. This, this, is, this is cheap. It does feel a little cheap on Spurs here. The fatigue is an issue. The fact that they're not that good of a team is an issue. This is cheap. And the stylistic matchup, because we know what the Cherries are going to do here. They're just going to sit low at the Vitality Stadium, that small pitch and just pack it in against Spurs. And we know what's how that's the way to kind of trip up Tottenham if you are trying to punch up as an underdog. So I've got nothing here, but I don't think Spurs are a bad parlay piece because I just think that the quality is, is, is just the difference of quality is there. So that's one thing I'll consider. Anthony, though, you got something. I'm not laying minus 143 with Spurs here. This is nope. cheap. Oh, come on. I'm really not. I'm not. And And like, you would I do it with it. Liverpool. You would do it with Liverpool. Well, Liverpool's better than Spurs. Nah, they're not. They are. Although we, we could talk about them in a minute. But Arsenal's you know, like what? Minus 250 at Bournemouth earlier this season? I mean, come on. Like, what are we doing here? 
Dude, it's a terrible spot, first of all. Because I know. I know it's there a was a world spot, where Spurs but... didn't get that last goal Vard off today, and they would be able to have won the group, and then they could turn all their attention to this weekend's Prem match. But now they need a result in Marseille next midweek. But Tottenham, another performance today against Lisbon, a team who is going to who did the exact same thing that Bournemouth is going to do in this match Saturday. They're going to sit deep and let Spurs have the ball and, and say, good luck, try your best to score against us. Uh, and set pieces have been the only way Spurs have created anything for a while now without Kulisevsky. And it's a clear issue. And I tweeted it. I was like, Dayan Kulisevsky must be the best player in the world because the, the way you watch Tottenham with and without him is incredible. And look, Son and Kane's numbers are down. Their shot numbers are not what they were last season under Conte. There is, there, there's a lot of talk in, in soccer analytics about, it's called zone 14. It's the area right outside the penalty area where that little like arch circle is, right? That's a key area for ball progression, getting into dangerous areas. Tottenham does not have a player who can pick a pass besides Harry Kane, does not have a player who progresses the ball into that area consistently, player who takes shots from that area. They don't take advantage of it. They don't have the personnel right now, and it's a problem. And they're going on the road in a situation where if they don't score off a set piece, it's going to be very hard for them to score. We've talked about the Bournemouth team and like how bad their attack is. And it's really bad. And like, I do think Spurs defensively will be fine here. I don't see them being too troubled, but I think it's gonna be a very difficult Tottenham match. Easily could see this being a one nil or one, one type game, but Bournemouth have allowed the second most shots off set pieces. That does scare me because look, Tottenham looked great on set pieces, but I don't see Spurs running it up here. I don't see them incentivized to run it up. I like the under two and a half. At what price would you play Tottenham here? Probably minus curious. 110, 115. Oh my gosh. Good Lord. Um, all right. Just I think, look, I, I am as created. This team is averaging 0. 0.6 expected goals per match. Anthony, they are horrible offense. Yeah, they're not. They're the, not going to score. That's why I'm here. betting the under. You're you're oh, you're kind of making my case here. Like, oh gosh, we're that's, we're we're just not. Look, I I I am very close to. I might, be, I might bet Spurs for you. I think I might. Give you, I think I, I might. just give you the ticket. I might. Yeah, I'm gonna do maybe <laughs> two two units on Spurs once for Anthony. That's a lot of juice, man. That's, that's fine. Okay. It's it's it is, but it's not against Bournemouth when you're Tottenham. Bournemouth, uh, look, Bournemouth are bad, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're good. I think they their attack is is absolutely dreadful, uh, and so it's very hard. Like it's very hard to make the case for them, like you know, putting up a big showing here. They've taken 64 shots from open play. It's the fewest in the league, but again, this is a this is a bet against Tottenham's attack, and I think the best way to get at that is the under. All right, Brentford are plus 120. At home, hosting Wolverhampton, plus 230. The draw here is plus 240. Uh, Wolves, two goals scored in their last six matches. They do have 5.6 expected goals in that span. So the same old, same old from this Wolverhampton squad. Somewhere Bruno Lage is, is sitting on the side, uh, you know, in Monaco or somewhere, wherever he's enjoying his time off, getting paid not to coach and saying, see, it's not, it wasn't me. We always are a little wary about the bees as favorites here. But Anthony, you think this could be uh, worth a shot? Yeah, from a pure numbers point of view, I, I do have a tiny bit of value on Brentford. I think it's bees or nothing here. I know about Wolves' expected goals numbers. I know uh, that they haven't been quite as bad as their underlying numbers suggest. They've only scored five goals. They have over 11 expected. Like That can't continue forever, but they are just so few good finishing attacking players on this Wolves team. They're, everybody who takes their shots is bad just bad at finishing. And, and, and like, I know we talk about 
regression to the mean a lot, but there are some players who have just demonstrated throughout their careers that they're below average, below XG finishers. People like an Adama Traore or a Trincao, like these are people who it's just hard to put your faith into. And Brentford does the little things really well, like set pieces. And I think that's a big way where Wolves can create some free chances, some free headers. They're not going to get a ton of those against Brentford because Brentford is excellent defensively on set pieces. Uh, and Wolves have to, have had their cracks defensively. Of course, we've talked about Jose Saw regression. They're kind of middle of the pack and an XG allowed from set pieces. So you can get, get at them there. So yeah, it would be bees or nothing. But like you mentioned, I'm not running to the window to bet Brentford as a favorite against what is still a, a, a decent midfield in Wolves. And BJ, you are looking at one of your favorite bets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both teams to score no, plus 105. I mean, Anthony mentioned it like Wolves. It's funny, you know, I, I saw a lot of the, the the box score against Leicester going around on Twitter of Wolves 21 shots, Leicester 5. Oh my gosh, how did they lose 4 nothing? Like, yeah, Wolves created two expected goals off of those 20-some shots. Well, one of them was off a big scoring chance that Diego Costa missed. The other 1.5 was off of 20 shots. Like, that's incredibly inefficient. That's what Wolves has been doing all season long. Like, I'll give them credit. That match against Leicester, that was the first time in their last six matches that they've actually created one expected goal from open play. So we can talk about regression all we want. The fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, Wolves gets off a ton of shots. All of them are incredibly low quality. So like Anthony mentioned, going up against a Brentford team that does an incredible job of defending their penalty area, who isn't allowing a thing really much in terms of quality from, from inside their own area, basically forcing Wolves to just take a bunch of low quality chances from outside the box. I have a hard time seeing how Wolves is actually going to threaten Brentford's defense. Now on the flip side of that, Wolves has been doing a good job of limiting big scoring chances. Like they're fifth in the premier league in that category. They've only, you know, they only allowed more than one big scoring chance in a match one time this season. We, as we've talked, Brentford is very, very reliant on those big scoring chances because they're taking the third fewest shots per 90 in the premier league. So I think both teams score no at plus one Oh five. I think you have a good recipe here for uh, a one nil or maybe potentially a blowout. You know, the good thing about both teams to score, no, and I'm kicking myself why I took under two and a half for Aston Villa Brentford instead of, you know, BTS. No, is that you get the four Oh five Oh results if things get out of hand. So, you know, finally, you know, last year, Brentford dominated both these meetings, like expected goals was 3.9 to one. They, they just played wolves right off the park in both meetings. So yeah, both teams score now at plus one Oh five. I have it projected at minus minus one twenty four. So uh, I think there's some decent value there. Yeah. I remember it was last year. These two teams played a game where there were like three different bangers. It was the classic and, Brentford, like absolutely dominates the match. And then wolves has a couple of bangers from outside the box essentially. Yeah. And, and I feel like this is the kind of game where that can happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about like wolves and how they like to shoot from distance and, Raya has not been great in goal this year. They do let you shoot from distance. So like you, you do open up like an enhanced risk and eventually wolves will have a game where they will like hit two of those kind of goals. And I remember having the over last year when these two teams played and it was like 1.5 XG, but the total was sitting at two. So I was like, I got to bet the over and wolves hit the two bangers to get the over two two one. There will be a game where that's coming for wolves, where they do score bangers. And then XG philosophy will tweet the, Wolves had 0.4 XG and scored twice. Mm-hmm. Everybody will go insane on Twitter. Well, that will, Anthony, that will happen next week when they play Brighton. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that was another game last year. They played that insane yep. 3-3 draw when Wolves had like 0.4 XG. Yep. Uh, so, you know, there will be games where Wolves will do some crazy shit and it hasn't happened yet this year. 
which is why wolves overs have become like a running joke on this podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm it's Brentford nothing for me. Uh let's move on to Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace, odds on, minus one of six. Hosting Southampton, three to one at Brett three six five. The draw here is plus two fifty. Palace struggling offensively right now. 0.7 or less expected goals in three of their last five matches. Uh, meanwhile, Saints don't look now. Three match unbeaten streak. Ralph Hassenhudel has this unbelievable talent of just like when he's about to get handed a pink slip, the team just kind of kicks it into gear, gets a couple surprising results. Like the draw against Arsenal in those three matches, which included that draw, they're 2.6. Expected goals for 3.4 spectacles against when you consider the opposition, West Ham, Bournemouth, and Arsenal. I think that is actually a little impressive for Southampton. I think it's Saints or nothing here. I know Palace profile well at home, but it's just, it's a it, similar to what we we're talking about with Brentford. It's just, do they have enough offensive firepower? And yet, yeah, Southampton's defense can gift you chances like in the blink of an eye, but do they have enough offensive firepower here to be worth laying juice? I, I would say no. I would lead towards Southampton. Anthony, you're leaning the other way. Yeah, no, I don't actually have much here. Uh, I do make power. Like, it's similar to the Brentford thing, right? And we we have these conversations where we're like, okay, well, we think Brentford and Palace are better teams than Wolves and Southampton over the course of 38 matches, but do I want to bet Palace laying a half? Not really. You know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and then proceeded to, to bet them their next two matches after saying I was a little bit worried about Palace offensively. And I think that's kind of come to bear. Like we see it. They did have a comeback against Wolves, which was impressive. But, you know, they go down to Everton early in that match and then there was kind of nothing. Like they had no ability of, of creating. Now, granted, it was away from home, but I, I just worry about this team trying to dig out of holes because they have not been effective at it. Uh, their expected threat numbers now, like again, they play in another team who's not in the top six. So we can't use the schedule conversation as much anymore. They, and they really struggled to create their expected threat differential is in the bottom six in the league. So hey, we were wrong on palace. I don't know. Like they're still fine defensively, but I have no interest in laying them as a favorite here. Yeah. Look real quick. Look ahead spot here. And we'll talk about this team obviously later in the podcast, but uh, they're playing at West Ham next week and West Ham's just sitting there at even money. So we'll see how West Ham obviously does against United uh, on Sunday, but um, see, that's another thing. Like, I don't know if I want to bet against palace uh, in that spot either. Because I, mean, I, think I mean, it's palace on the road and they've, they've proven this season that uh, they've been yeah. continually quite poor. I think they, I still have they, palace as a better team. They looked at last week, but they ran into a truck on the road. So yep. Yep. Uh, they did. That's true. They still stink. Michael. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Newcastle minus eight, one eighteen. Aston Villa, man. We're back. I'm so sorry about it. It's gotta be hard for you. Villa's plus 320 on the road, by the way. The draw is plus 275. But it's got to be hard because your man, Steven Gerrard, who you've been loving as, as a manager because he comes from Liverpool. He's a Liverpool legend. You love your Reds. You just want this guy to succeed so that when Jurgen Klopp graciously retires uh, in 30 years, Gerrard steps over from Villa right to Anfield. He gets sacked. And what happens? Shackles off, baby. Villa... They scored. They basically covered it over in ten they, minutes. They covered like a six touchdown spread. And when that was the game. epitome of new manager bounce. It right was there. beautiful was to just... watch. I love that it was you know Leon Bailey's guys that you just didn't really hear about much under under Gerard. Uh, uh, Unai yeah. Emery's coming in for Aston Villa. Newcastle rolling. Don't want to step in front. Numbers not big enough on Villa, but it would be Villa or nothing for me. You're just nodding your head. I can't believe you do this to Gerard. I like Gerard as a manager. I think he 
clearly made them a, a much better defensive side and deserves credit for that. And he has a clear track record of being able to do that wherever he's gone. But look, at some point you have to turn the throttle and he never did and never figured out how to do that. And I, and you know, he had to go for it. They made a small change. They dropped John McGinn, who was not offering a ton in the midfield and they brought on Buendia and, and played an extra attack. John McGinn, who Gerard made captain and, and isolated Tyrone <laughs> Minks. <laughs> yeah. I tried to avoid that, but you know, you wouldn't let me. Yeah. So there are criticisms to be levied at Mr. Gerard. And uh, I think that Villa are clearly an improved side. Now you, you can look at their underlying numbers, which still weren't even that bad under Gerard. And uh, their expected threat was positive. Their expected goal difference now after last week is, uh, you know, right around even. So this is a still a team that should finish right around the mid table in 10th or 11th. Right. And I think Newcastle is a better team. They're at home. So I, like, I don't love the number here, but I mean, look at the market respect for Villa. And the market never gave up on them. And I haven't either. So this is not the spot where we back Villa. <laughs> uh, I didn't bet them last week because I love Brentford too much to do it. But I was, I was staring at that line for a long time and just couldn't ultimately get there. But I think like the players are too good at the end of the day, the attacking talent they have, the defensive solidity, like they're, they're too good of a team to, to languish, you know, near the bottom. And I'm feeling so much better about our, uh, our top Midlands bet right now. BJ, you're going back to the well. You're well. Yeah. This mm-hmm. very lonely well out there in Iowa. No, Iowa's not a lonely place, Michael. <laughs> wonderful. We have wonderful big cities and, and animals and such. Yeah, so we'll talk about Unai Emery probably next podcast because I don't think he's going to be managing on Sunday. I think there's a work permit thing that's going on. So I don't think he's actually going to be in the dugout. And I mean, listen, I could, I could sit here and say like, Hey, Villa's offense started trend upwards after that performance, or I could tell you how poor they were under Gerard. But the reality is, is when you look at Newcastle's defense, like they've been incredibly impressive against non big six sides. Like if you go through their schedule, 0.3 allowed to forest 0.7 allowed to wolves one to palace 0.7 to Bournemouth 0.5 to Fulham 1.2 to Brentford. There was a penalty in there and then 0.2 and one shot to Everton. Like the, the defense has been incredibly impressive. So I'm not really sure you know, cause Aston Villa is probably going to get field tilted. They're going to get pinned in their own final third. And they're going to try to basically, you know, counterattack out of that under, you know, caretaker manager. I'm not so sure they're going to be able to provide anything forward in terms of actually threatening Newcastle's goal. And the flip side of that, obviously Anthony mentioned their defense has been incredibly good. You know, their top six and expected goals allowed their top five and progressive passes and dribbles allowed, but they're pretty average at playing through pressure and Newcastle has forced the most high turnovers in the premier league. So just really worried about how Aston Villa is going to actually threaten Newcastle's goal. Flip side of that Newcastle offensively, Ishak's still out. looks like Alan St. Maxman's probably not going to play. So, you know, I have both teams to score no projected at minus 126. So at plus 105, I like the value there. I don't know. It could be scary. They might go for it. Villa might just come balls <laughs> to the wall. They could. They sell could. out for the goal. Have, have some uh, fun. I don't know. It's, uh, I'll, you know, I've regretted a lot of bets in my life. I'll just regret another one. Who cares? Uh, speaking of regretting a bet, Fulham and Everton. Fulham plus 137. Another Derby, Michael. Everton. Yeah, the Marco Silver Derby at Craven Cottage. Everton plus 200. The draw is plus 240. No need to get into the, the Fulham defense. Everybody knows. Terrible. They are two wins, one draw in their Everton last three. Everton defense stinks too. Hey, no, they're, they're, Everton's defense is fine. They are very good at – they'll seed possession. They'll let you carry the ball in deep. And then Connor Cody and James Tarkowski or Jordan Pickford, the three best shot blockers in 
the, on planet Earth who will get in front of it. The fourth best shot blocker, of course, is Vitaly Mikolenko. They might get Nathan Patterson back, which is helpful. Alex Wobie looks Patterson. like he, he, <laughs> he looks. On. These are two teams. I've just thrown my hands over both these teams. Like it's just I don't. Know I, I somehow went from the high man on Fulham to like fading them and losing the last two weeks. Yep, now I'm just like lost. I don't know. I'm just throwing my hands up on that. I'm lost. I, 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 look, I, I, can, I think I can get you guys. I love I can, them coming into I, the season. They played well. Then they like looked like they were clearly about to regress, and then they decided, nope, we're not doing that. We're just going to be in the top half of the table. Can I make a case for Everton here? Uh, something I rarely do. Go ahead. Um, Everton against non-big seven sides. I'm including Newcastle in, in that. <laughs> the match really took one shot. I can see 17. Right. When they play the big seven, it's 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 a, it's a oh different story. Gosh. But three, three, and one against non-big seven sides. Win, draw, loss. Their only loss came to Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Ten goals for, six goals against, and a just under 50% expected goal share. So it's not, not terrible at all. And the defensive numbers are better. They and they're high because of that Villa match where they gave up like 2.8 expected goals. So a little skewed that way. <laughs> but you can't just take out eight <laughs> of their matches. Of course you can. When you because look at who they're playing. They're playing Fulham. We're not talking about oh them playing gosh. City. We're not talking about them playing Tottenham. Oh my god. This day that all this, counts though. Like this team is better. Expected goals to to you know Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham. Like they conceded two and a half to Tottenham, who couldn't do anything against anybody else. Like that's, I don't know. Like yeah. Everton's last two away matches in the league, they didn't take a shot for. They took one shot in 135 minutes. That like scares the hell out of me in this situation. That's my read on this match. Like tot like. Everton have put in some decent home performances. Like I thought they were fine against United. I thought they were good against Palace, but like this team away from home, good against just Palace. they were, they were Brazil 1998 against Palace. <laughs> they were ridiculous. This is, this is the easiest pass on the board. Oh my gosh. Just, I always end up betting that match, but I, I, I honestly, I texted Anthony. I thought they were going to price Fulham at even money. I, I swear to God, I thought they were going to do it. And I would have to muster up the courage and I'd have to listen to Mike line. I'd have to take Everton, but Thank God the market didn't do that. So the market I'm doesn't happen like that much. I'm happily passing. Move strongly against them uh, in the in the Villa match, and then uh, by the lead. way, Steven Gerrard had the hat trick that's never been done in the Premier League before. Own concede, goal, own goal, concede a penalty, and get a red card. Never happened in the Premier League before. In a half, enough. yeah. In a half, yeah. So that end, end up getting him sacked. Uh, that's the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Um, Why is that match at 12.30? Uh, it's a headliner. Okay. Like you said, Marco Silva stuff. I mean, yeah. sec- extra I always security. enjoy a match at the cottage. Especially at that time of day, too. Nice, nice evening match over there. But there's also a 2.45 p.m. match on Saturday as well. Liverpool minus 300. Leeds plus 750 on the road. Madras plus 450. This is a tough one for Anthony. His favorite team against his third favorite manager. Well, I guess second favorite manager now that Gerrard's gone. In the Premier League, cannot trust Liverpool's defense. It seems like they just, you know, just alternate great performances and bad ones. And usually the great ones come against Ajax. Uh, it's just the, the way Leeds play, I think, just it kind of plays right into Liverpool's hands here. So it's a little scary to back Leeds at this number. I think we could see, a, you know, like a 5-2 kind of style game. Uh, but that's what I said against Nottingham Forest pretty sure right like well <laughs> there were eight there were eight big scoring chances yeah. created and only one of them went. i mean when dean henderson's wearing a hat you're not scoring right so i got nothing here i'm going to be passing entirely uh this could be jesse marsh's swan song uh depending on how this what goes. jesse marsh <laughs> sack potentially getting sacked uh, man and, and anthony what uh what do you have for leeds and liverpool 
Like, I didn't think Liverpool were nearly as good as the scoreline indicated today. You know, you watch the first half of that match. Ajax was the better side for about two-thirds of the first half. So, you do the math, 30 minutes. Uh, I thought Ajax played well, actually, and troubled Liverpool quite a bit early, created over one expected goal in, in totality. Like, it was not a particularly impressive Liverpool performance. They are still a disaster defensively. And I think Leeds is the biggest positive regression candidate in this entire league. Uh, along with West Ham, all you have to do is just sort the XG table and it'll tell you the truth. Like David Moyes and Jesse Marsh are doing fine jobs this year. Their teams have had some bad variants. Like I understand the case because Leeds and the biggest problem with Leeds right now is Patrick Bamford. He's not fit. He is not close to hundred percent. They're playing him. He's missing chances. He's not quite clicking and it's killing them, but like they still have a ton of other talent that can cause a ton of problems for Liverpool. Uh, Tiago doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Uh, Klopp did not seem too optimistic about his situation when he spoke in front of the Ajax match. So like, there's a lot of red, red flags here. You know, there's a, a few different ways to attack this match. You know, I mean, like both teams to score over two and a half is even money, but also I, I kind of just want to take leads on the spread here, maybe split a unit on the first half spread, because I do think that leads will cause problems for Liverpool because what do we know about Liverpool? Their biggest problem in years past, I agree, like the matchup is bad because Liverpool is normally like a pressing monster and can run forever and you can't beat them at their own game. But that's not the Liverpool we've seen this year. The Liverpool we've seen this year has been very vulnerable and very uncertain on the ball and very not good at winning the ball back off opponents. So I think Leeds can cause problems for them in a way. And I thought I'd get a better BTTS number, maybe like a leads to score first half. I don't know exactly where I'm going to go with this yet. I have to kind of think about it more because I don't like, I still don't trust leads late in this game. If it's like two, one, they're chasing the goal. They go down three, one. I feel like I'm on the right side and I lose. Like, I think there's a very real possibility that happens, but overall definitely we'll be playing leads in some fashion in this match. Stay tuned to the action network app to see how let's hop to Sunday. Now we'll talk 10 a.m. Kickoff Arsenal minus five fifty at home. Hosting red hot Nottingham Forest just off that that brilliant win at the city ground against Liverpool. Uh Forest 14 to 1 on the money line. The draw is plus 650. You know, I, I was telling you guys before the season start, the Steve Cooper guy. <laughs> hell of a manager. Uh, I think I'm starting to get rewarded for that. He's starting to get rewarded. The team's starting to get rewarded. They can give Arsenal maybe some trouble here, but I don't think uh I'll be interested here in the back-to-back magic. So I'll be passing, but you two are both on the same bet. BJ, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I like 103 goals, a plus 115. I think the total is a tad inflated here. I think it has a lot of, to do with the fact that on paper, Nottingham Forest's defense is, is really, really bad. You know, they've allowed 23 goals this season. You know, it is off 19 expected, but you've seen it. And this is kind of how regression works and, and why we talk about regression so much is that Nottingham Forest has gotten quite lucky defensively over their last few matches. They obviously allowed over two expected goals to Brighton, over two expected goals to Liverpool, and uh, they end up not conceding. So... Now you come into this match against Arsenal. Now there is some, you know, worrying signs for Arsenal that maybe they're not uh, the best team in the Premier League. Um, I'm not ready to, you know, say the R tell everybody word. about those. But with that say being said, word. you know, they they've they've only, you know, they created only 0.7 against Leeds, only 0.8 against Southampton, and the the biggest thing for me in this match is that and Arteta did this against Leeds and he did it against Southampton, is that. 
from time to time, Arsenal, when they, when they go ahead, they get incredibly conservative and they basically just sit back and they allow their opponent to essentially control the ball and let them do whatever they want. Um, you saw it against Leeds in the second half. And then, you know, Southampton was able to get back into the match against Arsenal. So for a match like this, where if Arsenal goes up early, I mean, we could see them, you know, just basically put on the handbrake here and, you know, try not to allow anybody's anybody uh, not allow Nottingham Forest to score. I mean, Arsenal from an even game state are playing with a the lead. They're allowing under one expected goal per, you know, per 90 minutes. They're the second best defense in the premier league only behind city. You know, they're number one in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. They've only allowed five big scoring chances on the season. So I have, I have concerns of how Nottingham Forest is actually going to get at this Arsenal defense because they are incredibly reliant on big scoring chances. Like they're not taking a high number of shots. So I don't think we're going to see the offensive just explosion like we saw against Liverpool where they created five big scoring or four big scoring chances and over two expected goals. And I think we just have honestly just a total that's a, that's a tad inflated for a really good Arsenal team and an Arsenal offense that has been running a little hot, I'll say. And I, you know, I only have 2.8 goals projected. So under three goals at plus 115 is good enough for me. It's time to have the conversation, BJ. No, it's not. No, it's not. Gabriel Jesus. He's fine. 6.1 expected goal. Pretty good. Yeah. Five goals. He's doing it again. Yeah. He'll be fine. Don't and worry. Arsenal is running six goals above their expected numbers as a team, despite the guy who takes the most shots not being good at finishing. And you mentioned it. It wasn't just that they went to Bodo Glimt, created under one expected goal. I know that they rotated the team for that, but when you look across the board, there are signs that, okay, Arsenal played an incredible eight or so matches. They deserve to be top of the table based on those performances, but they were so much better than they were last year that the reality of the team is probably in the middle. And I think that's where we're coming down to now where do I expect Arsenal to put up under one expected goal at home against Nottingham Forest? No, but I do think the total is inflated. I agree with BJ on that. The scary thing is, is that most of these flatter offensive attacking performances have come on the road. They have been still excellent at home, but again, I still think this is more a matter of Arsenal is just not going to click at the level that it did in those first eight matches because they are going to regress from that high. And they're still going to be a top comfortably top four team. I'm feeling very good about my, my Arsenal top four tickets, but I do think that this is a bad spot for them. They have to go to Eindhoven uh, on Thursday too. So again, a bad rest spot. Give me the under three plus money. Yeah. Arsenal's only allowed 4.4 expected goals in five home matches. So it's yeah, they're dominant defensively. They've like, been Forrest dominant has defensively. no path to goals here. And Arsenal's only scored over three goals once, and it was against Leicester. So, like, I mean, obviously, we like, like, like to talk about XG. They haven't created over three XG against anybody. So, if you truly believe that Nottingham Forest is not even going to threaten Arsenal's goal, I mean, under three, you know, plus numbers is a pretty decent price. And they've been resilient defensively. I mean, they should have yeah. conceded multiple to Brighton. Like, I mean, said, it's going to but... be Arsenal's going to get off a ton of shots. You know, Forest is going to play a low block. And, you know, I think it'll be a two counter. Nine. But I'm not I like I like the under three plus money. I think it's too yeah. high. I, I make it a little under three actually. That was a lot of fun to listen to you too. Uh, getting along more uh, fun it, than ever. Then it'll. I mean, that's well. Bj and I have disagreed on our two favorite teams all year. So yeah, that's no, why I think I, our, our, our opinions nice. are converging on them. That was very yep. nice. To, that was very nice to hear. Yeah, Arsenal's defensive numbers at home are they're tad skewed because they didn't have to deal with Everton. That right. game got that game got canceled. And they got 15. to play Tottenham, who who yeah. stinks. So and they got to play Liverpool too. And, and of stinks. course, keep in mind that under bet that the number is going to tick up if Dean Henderson isn't wearing a hat. 
True. Uh, so you might be able to get three. The, the Emirates, the Emirates, <laughs> the, the stands are pretty high, so yeah. I don't think he'll need to wear the hat with, uh, to block the sun. Uh, it's an uh, early kick. 12-15 on Sunday, last Premier League match on the docket. It's a doozy. United are minus 143 at home against West Ham. Plus 375. The draw is 3-1. to one. Love West Ham here. The defense has just been outrageously good for the Hammers. David Moyes, best manager in the world. Not named Frank Lampard, I guess. Second in non-penalty expected goals allowed per 90. Six in shots allowed. Six in expected threat. Fifth in big scoring chances allowed. They should be able to contain this United attack. United's offense is trending. Uh, defense has been better lately, but there's another fatigue issue here, right? United have played the, the European matches. There's, they've been traveling all over Europe. Uh, so West Ham should catch them, I think. I don't know. Um, I like hammers here a lot, and I know BJ's going to agree with me. So I'll go with Anthony first. I got no bet here. I... I think United's really turned the corner. I think they're, they've made clear improvements. I think there's a limit to how much better they are because they don't really have a good striker right now. And Ronaldo out, that's, that's an upgrade. Like Anthony and Sancho are fine. I think there's still like problems, but Casemiro has clearly improved them in the midfield. Rashford being in form has clearly improved their attack. Bruno is Bruno playing like Bruno did before last year's disaster. So like there's a lot to like about Man United, including Martinez defensively. So I don't want to fade them. I think they're trending up. How far up and how much market respect they get going forward may lead me to betting against them once again. But I've I've taken a break from my United fades for the last uh, three weeks. And uh, I think they would be smart to continue to do that. But you guys love your hammers. Uh, so. mm-hmm. We love them. Yeah, DJ loves fading United. I, I do. I'm gonna have to start trolling him on Twitter. If, if he, yeah, he I mean, okay, I'll, I'll say this. Okay, like, I my tune has kind of changed. Like the last two performances, obviously, were very impressive. And you're right, Anthony, that Casemiro has made them in a lot, a lot better because now it allows Fred and their other midfielders to go up and press higher up the pitch, and they're not as exposed in transition defense. So, and truly, they have been better that way. But to poke some holes in their last two performances against, you know, obviously the performance against Tottenham, they deserve to win. You know, against Chelsea, they obviously deserve to win. But, I mean, they created 2.3 expect goals off of 43 shots. Like, that is incredibly inefficient. And now they're going up against a West Ham defense that it's interesting because the first three matches of the season, I think we were all, like, starting to write off West Ham, starting to write off David Moyes. Like, oh, my gosh, like the, the bad defense where they had a ton of injuries last year. Like, you know, it's rearing its ugly head. Like, how long is Moyes going to last? You know, they got dominated by City. You know, the Forest match got, you know, out of hand. And then Brighton pretty much outplayed them, you know, at uh, the Olympic Stadium. But since that match against Brighton, only one team has created over one expected goal against them. And it was at Liverpool. They are allowing only 0.8 non-penalty expected goals per match. That is second in the Premier League. And they have allowed just five big scoring chances since their first three matches of the season. David Moyes is playing an incredibly low block. They're like, I think they're fifth to last in average defensive line. They're getting field tilted at 44%, but guess what? It's been effective. And their offense is really starting to trend in the right direction. Like you mentioned on the last couple podcasts, Anthony Bowen is, is, is playing much better. Paqueta obviously gives them a much better attacking threat, you know, in terms of ball progression. So 
United at minus 143 against how good this defense has been, like that's a high price to pay for United here. So, I mean, I only have United projected at plus 117, which I think is a fair line, you know, given if we're just talking about this year of how the performances of these two teams, like, you know, West Ham, like you mentioned off the top, Anthony, like they, they've underperformed, like they're deserving of a couple of results here. You know, they got a good result against Bournemouth, you know, held them to point four expected goals. So, um, yeah, it's, it's West Ham or nothing here. So give me the hammers plus half a goal plus one fifteen. I think that's tremendous value. And, uh, let's just keep fading United, I guess. It works every time. Yeah. It works every <laughs> single time. Yep. Every- Who's United have on uh, deck. Uh, I mean, they got to play sheriff who's on new manager bounce on Thursday. So, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, oh gosh, who's he? Oh, they know? go to Sociedad. We might get oh Villa gosh, there. then they Sociedad go to Villa. In- oh no, I'm gonna be. Oh no, <laughs> they get Villa back to back in in the Premier League and the DFL Cup. Um, yeah, I might be back fading United. Oh my league. gosh, we'll I, I mean, I don't know where we're gonna stand in the Europa League group. I'd have to check it, but uh, so this that game will decide. Sociedad is in a tremendous form, so oh my gosh, I can't wait to bet. Top four tickets. Match. Uh, all right, let's, right. you know, we'll move over to Europe now. Uh, speaking of Sociedad, we'll start with La Liga. But before we do that, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. Uh, let's talk La Liga, BJ, you uh, and I. Hats off. You know, we tip our caps to a wonderful effort from Athletic in uh, the Champions League, the underdogs almost got through the group stage into the Life's not fair sometimes. They deserved it. Fair. What are you going to do? So we'll miss them. But for now, your favorite bet in La Liga this weekend. Yeah, I think about a month ago, I, I came on here and I played a BTTS snow that was uh, minus 160. I got called insane. I got called crazy. I got called a bunch of other names that I get called on the regular, which is not, you know, all those are kind of true about me anyway. Um, and I, I made it a point, Michael, that I said, I'm going to go circle a spot where I think there's going to be another BTS no at minus 160. I'm going to come on here in this podcast and I'm going to tout it out. And I found it a couple of months ago and I've had this circled for about a month. Elche versus Getafe, both teams to score no at minus 130. These are two of the worst offenses in all of Europe. Elche has created seven expected goals in 11 matches. Getafe has created nine. The, both these teams play five three twos. It's going to be dueling five, three, two versus five, three, two. If you ever visit uh, the site, the analyst, which is powered by Opta, they have this wonderful feature that can show you essentially where teams on the pitch, where they're dominating possession. Some boxes will turn up blue. If you're dominating 55% possession or more, and then red vice versa. Um, these two teams, the only place where they're dominating possession is in their own penalty area. Everywhere else is red. So we have just a truly disgusting match, but here's the best part, Michael. It's Monday night. It's Monday afternoon, prime time football. Both teams to score no. Elche, Getafe, it's going to be a wonderful match on Monday. Minus 130. Nothing like a, a La Liga snoozer to help you start the snoozer. worst week. Uh, I, I should say nothing like a, a riveting La Liga <laughs> snoozer to get you going through the first day of the work week. Anthony, uh, you got to bet in La Liga. I got nothing. I'm, I'm too distraught about Atleti. Yeah, sorry, boys. Uh, we'll save that for next week. But 
Girona, Real Madrid, both teams to score yes at minus 110. Based on expected goals allowed, Real Madrid, we've talked about their defensive weaknesses and their liabilities, and we saw that. They've been sleepwalking through matches the last few weeks and getting away with it. They did not get away with it against Leipzig in the Champions League. And I think Girona's attack has actually shown some signs of life. I mean, they're a top half of the league by expected goals created over 14 this season. I've been encouraged by what I've seen by them. And I think that they can get after a Real defense that is vulnerable. So give me both teams to score. Yes, minus 110. I think Real could be flat. All right, uh, Bundesliga time. I'll go first. I like Gladbach plus 280 on the road against. Hate that team. Union. <laughs> Berlin. Who do you hate more? Oh, I hate Gladbach right now. I mean, they totally no showed against Frankfurt last week. Uh, Sommer's been injured. Uh, he may be back, but it's it's not it's not looking great for. I mean, every time I think they're about to turn the corner is when they put in a stinker. So it's been tough to back them right now. This is a spot though. Uh, just if you look at the numbers, they just they're better than Union. Like, and we know there's the story of Union that the the movies the movie that's being written for the Irons. But I'm just gonna keep doing it and betting against them. We loved them last year. Not uh, so much uh, right now. So Gladbach plus 280 for me in Bundesliga. BJ. Yeah, I'm on that same match. and I'm going to take Union's under two and a half goals at uh, minus 110. What's what's incredible about Union Berlin is that their matches, if you take away penalties, they're averaging under two expected goals per match in the Bundesliga of all places. Like it's really insane to think about. They're only allowing 9.9. They've only allowed 9.9 expected goals in 11 matches. Like their defense and low block has been incredibly good. Kind of like, kind of like it was last season and Gladbach. I mean, they're, they've been good offensively. They've been pretty average defensively, but I really don't, you know, Somner's out, but I'm going to keep playing Leon Berlin unders until they lose. Obviously a loss against Bochum, but there was barely anything created in that match. So I'm just going to keep playing unders with Union Berlin until they decide to provide any type of attacking threat and try to start to create consistently over one expected goal. Because in nine of their 17 overall matches in all competitions, they have failed to create over one expected goal. Like it's truly crazy what they're doing. And I hope they keep doing it all season long. Anthony, what do you got? Yeah, I like Stuttgart, classic buy low, sell high. Stuttgart have lost four of their last five in the Bundesliga. The only win they had came at home against Bochum. They were a minus 140 favorite. I looked at playing them. I passed. I regretted it immediately. They dominated that match. They're at home against a relegation level team. Stuttgart is in the bottom three right now, but they're not really a relegation team. You look at their underlying numbers. They're a slightly below average Bundesliga team. They host Augsburg, who is a relegation level team. Second worst team based on uh, 538 ratings, based on expected goal difference, based on my numbers. Augsburg stinks. They're really bad. They've gotten some good results in the last couple of weeks but they have mostly luck boxed their way through those. They have yet to get to 10 expected goals in the league. Only team not to do that through 11 matches. I like Stuttgart at home. Only minus 115 feels a little cheap. Uh, Syria, uh, now, Anthony, you were on this quickly. Yeah, I put it in like as soon as the matches came out. I know BJ doesn't like Sauer Nitana, but they're actually doing some things that encourage me. Uh, you look at their statistical profile. I know that their expected goals numbers are pretty mediocre, but let's compare them to the club based on what they did, you know, two years ago. They were a horrendous team in Serie B. They made marginal improvements at the end of last season to pull off a great escape. Sorry, BJ. And they've taken another step forward this season. They're minus a half XG difference per 90, which is not good. But against a Lazio team who continues to just be an average team in Serie A, they should not be catching over a goal. So I'll take Sauernitana plus 1.25 Pretty encouragingly decent underlying numbers for Sauer Nitana in this situation. Uh, BJ, 
Syria. Ah. Yeah, Jose Mourinho minus one twenty <laughs> on the road at Verona. Listen, I know Anthony's a smart guy, and I listened to him and I updated my priors on Verona, and it turns out that they're really bad. Like they've lost six straight matches. They've conceded ten point box anymore. They've conceded ten point two expected goals. They've only created four point nine in those six matches. And defensively in Serie A, they've allowed they're allowing the third most shots, like the second highest expected threat. It's not good news when you're facing a Jose Mourinho side that has just been destroying a lesser competition. I mean, Roma has played six matches against the bottom half of the Serie A table. They've created fifteen point one expected goals. 15 big scoring chances and are averaging around 15 shots per 90 minutes. And I mentioned this last week, but you know, Jose is just allowing teams to progress the ball up the field against Roma. Like they're, they're uh, you know, the progressive pass is allowed. Numbers aren't good. Like they're 18th to pass per defensive action. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, oh, yeah, you can move the ball into the final third against Roma, but they are incredibly elite at defending their own box. They're only allowing 0.06 X sheep per shot. They've allowed two big scoring chances and only two teams have created over one expected goal against them in Serie A. So minus 120, I understand from a spot perspective, uh, Roma has a road trip to Finland on Thursday, but you know this is a Monday match. They'll get an extra day of rest. Minus 120 is awfully cheap for Roma right now. And legal, BJ? Yeah, let's just uh, let's try to fade uh, Claremont Foot. Nantes, even money at home. You know, Nantes was a big overperformer last season. Like they had a minus 11 expected goal differential. They finished in 10th place. They won the French Cup. They got into the Europa League. This season, you know, it's funny how these things kind of flip a little bit. They're minus six actual goal differential, only minus 2.5 expected goal differential. And they're taking on Claremont Foot, who is in ninth, who has a negative 11.5 expected goal differential in 12 matches. They are coming off getting obliterated by a horrible Stade de Brest team that in the previous eight matches, Brest created a total of 5.4 expected goals. Claremont foot allowed them to put on a just in counterattacking clinic. Brest created three expected goals despite holding 38% possession and defensively Claremont foot has held one opponent under one expected goal this season. So um, I have not projected at minus 120. So I think even money is, is awfully cheap uh, for them at home against Claremont foot. All right. Uh, now on to our three leg. Moneyline underdog parlay. Uh, this one's going to hit. Pretty sure of it. Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I'm going to take Strasbourg plus 200 at home. You could probably guess who they're playing. They're hosting Marseille. Strasbourg yep. is probably the most puzzling team in the in all of Europe for me based on what I expected them to be at the beginning of the season and what they've actually been. And I know we've backed them on this show. I think I picked them as an underdog a couple of weeks ago and they gave up a red card. They had a goal vart off and then conceded a red card like a minute later and got crushed. Uh, which has pretty much been their whole season. They're in 16th. Their underlying numbers are bad. Uh, they are, you know, somewhat of a positive regression candidate from a, from just like a talent perspective. I mean, they're much better than the 16th best team in France. They really should be pushing for the top half of the table based on the collection of players. And, and uh, like at some point, I just think that this has to turn around. Marseille has regressed. They lost three in a row in league mm-hmm. on and they lost in the champions league. So the only win that they've had in the last month was the bet, the game I bet against them against Lisbon when they got two red cards. So that is basically four straight dud performances from Marseille. And I don't think they're a very good team. And I think they're going on the road against another, not very good team, but I'm getting plus 200 to fade them. And I think Strasbourg's going to start playing better at some point. Dead cat bounce, please, please <laughs> Strasbourg. Uh, my favorite pooch is West Ham. They're plus three seventy five. On the road against Manchester United, a sell-high spot on uh, United, who have lost one match, it seems like, in 
three months now, and it was against Man City. Uh, they got pasted, but West Ham, uh, they should profile well as a big underdog considering their defense, second in non-penalty expected goals allowed per 90 minutes, six in shots allowed, six in expected threat, and fifth in big scoring chances. Uh, we know that David Moyes' side punch up really well as underdogs in this spot, famously beat Liverpool last season. Uh, I like I like them to be able to do it again. So West Ham plus 375 is my dog. BJ. Baikano plus 310 on the road at Sevilla. Um, you know, Jorge Sampoli has come in and Sevilla is still just as bad as ever. You know, they obviously their best performance has honestly been against Dortmund in, in the second meeting where they held Dortmund a point four expected goals. Well, then they went on the road to Mallorca. They won one, nothing. They scored on their very first shot, which came in the 55th minute. They created 0.2 expected goals. Then they hosted Valencia and just an absolutely chaotic match that ended with a saved penalty in the hundredth minute. Um, but they lost the expected goals battle 1.8 to 1.1. They go to Real Madrid. They get absolutely pasted. And then they played Copenhagen in champions league. They won three, nothing. They lost the expected goals battle. So this team is still just as horrible as ever. And Viacano actually does have a positive expected goal differential and is sitting in the middle of the table. So I, I'm sorry, Sevilla, who has, you know, they're a minus one actually differential per 90 and we're 12, ma- 11 matches into the La Liga season. Like that's, that's still really bad. Like there's really no signs that the Sevilla team is actually trending towards being back towards even in the top half of the table. So uh, give me Viacano and continue on with the Sevilla fade. West Ham, Strasbourg and uh, Viacano, 57 to one. That money line parlay pays out. Put a little extra Halloween cash in your pocket, I think, with that one because it feels like a lock. All right, uh, let's move on to our favorite bets in the Premier League for this match week, kicking off on Saturday. Uh, Anthony, what's your favorite bet? Tottenham and Bournemouth under two and a half goals at minus 104. This number is just a little bit too high for me. When you look at how bad Tottenham's been, not just on the road, but as an attacking unit for the last month, they've really struggled to create consistent scoring chances that have not come from set pieces. There is the concern about them against Bournemouth here with Bournemouth being pretty leaky defensively on set pieces, but Tottenham without Richardson and without Kulisevsky does not look like the same level of attacking team. They've clearly regressed from the highs of last season and Spurs defensively still defend the penalty area really well. Bournemouth, major negative regression candidate in attack. They've only created seven expected goals this year. That's a huge red flag. That is by far the fewest in the league. And that is a league that includes Wolves. So I like the under two and a half in this match. I think it's going to be a tight affair. Spurs probably win, but it will be low scoring. I like Brighton and Hove Albion at home. They're plus 187 hosting Chelsea. This is a sell high spot on Chelsea. They look uh, great. According to their win-loss record under Graham Potter, they've yet to lose in nine matches, six wins, three draws. But Chelsea played eight matches since October 1st. Five matches in the last two weeks have been on the road. And their defensive numbers are not all that impressive. 5.2 expected goals allowed in their last four matches. Quality competition, not that great. So I think in the Graham Potter derby, Potter's former team, Brighton, uh, will get the job done at plus 187. BJ, take us home. West Ham plus half a goal at plus 115 at Old Trafford on Sunday at 11:30 Eastern Time. 
Manchester United has put in two great performances. They were by far the better team against Tottenham. They were by far the better team against Chelsea. You know, Casemiro is starting to really play like the guy he was at Real Madrid and, and helping Manchester United guys like Fred and other midfielders be able to press higher at the pitch than so he can stop opposing counterattacks. But to poke some holes in United's last two matches, they created 2.3 expected goals off of 43 shots. That is incredibly inefficient going against a West Ham defense. That is the second best in the premier league by expected goals. They're allowing only 0.8 non-penalty expected goals per match this season. After three matches against Man City, Nottingham Forest, and Brighton, West Ham did not look good. It looked like David Moyes' job might be in jeopardy since that Brighton match. Only one team has created more than one expected goal against West Ham, and it was Liverpool at Anfield. So this West Ham defense, the low block that they're playing, has been incredibly ineffective. And it's going to be very difficult for United to actually get any kind of chance of quality if they're just going to keep taking a ton of shots that are really low quality against this great, great low block. So give me West Ham plus half a goal, plus 115 on the road. All right, Union host NYCFC Sunday, MLS Cup semifinal, Eastern Conference final. That is the revenge spot of the year for my Union. Last year, they played in the conference final. Union were out seven starters due to COVID. They made them play anyway. It was a travesty, a disgrace to the sport. Union are at home. I actually think the number's about right. But I may. So after all that, after all that, I may be betting the union on Sunday because that is the uh, all-time revenge COVID spot. On on that note, uh, an apology from for Anthony, but for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Eboff. Uh, Thank you for listening to Wonder Gold. We'll see you again on Monday morning. Until that time, best of luck with all your bets in the Premier League and beyond.